Let's do it. Let's get into this week's episode of Gaz on the Go. Everything you want to know from the sports world, we make it nice and tidy for you. 30 minutes right around there or less every single week. Thanks to our friends, Techies Fire and Water Restoration, your best way back to normal, TEFirewater.com. Techies Fire and Water Restoration, their boss, Mike Corda, a part of the championship 2021 Albany Empire. Mike Corda, the big reason why you were able to watch the Albany Empire this season. So if you want to say thanks, you want to say we appreciate you helping out the Capital Region in upstate New York, get a hold of Techies Fire and Water Restoration. If you got mold damage, fire damage, water damage to your home, whatever you might need, the crew at Tech East Fire and Water Restoration can help you fix what's going on in your home. Check them out on Central Lab website, tefirewater.com, Tech East Fire and Water Restoration. By the way, proud sponsors all summer long of all Godzilla Media Podcast. And Friday, August 27th, we'll be broadcasting live from Hooters. Thanks to Tech East Fire and Water Restoration. We'll be live on their Facebook page if you're listening outside of the Albany area. You can't join us on Wolf Road, 5 to 7 o'clock. LeVac and Gaz, live on location. And then the Godzilla Media Fantasy Football League draft to follow. So you want to talk some smack to us? You want to cheer on our picks? It's going to be a lot of fun, Hooters. I have a feeling my pal LeVac may be indulging in a lot of beers that night. It's probably going to be our most fun show we've had to get towards the end of the summer here for Techies Fire and Water Restoration. Join us again Friday, August 27th. Also, we got to give love to our friends at Mohawk Honda. Our friends, if you missed the episode, we are broadcasting at Mohawk Chevrolet. But the Herodin family has helped throughout the Capital Region, and some of you have been able to learn how great the Herodin family has been through driving in to Glenville or Malta, wherever it may be, to make sure you work with Mohawk when you buy that new vehicle. Now, just to focus on Mohawk Honda, my pilot, as I look out here in my driveway, is still missing because my wife has been visiting family in the Syracuse area. She made sure she took the pilot. And I don't have to worry about any type of concerns. I know Baby Rex is safe. I know she's got enough space. If my wonderful sister-in-laws are also in the vehicle, they have space as well. And there's no need to worry about what might be happening with past vehicles I used to have breaking down. Don't forget, selection is king this summer. Take advantage of the deals and the wide range of vehicles that you can have in your driveway in the future at Mohawk Honda. Visit them, Prunes Bridge Road. Say what's up to my guy, Greg Johnson, a wonderful guy. Cam McKenna, the McKennas, the Ellis's, and more. Love Mohawk Honda. Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. And our friends over at John Stone Supply in Troy. My guy George, my guy Tom, and more, they are helping you inside your home. Air conditioning, heating, ventilation. If you want to make sure you have a safe home, the place to work for, or the place to learn more about what you can do to make those upgrades happen, John Stone Supply in Troy. Give them a call today, 518-272-5922, 518-272-5922. For more information, johnstonesupply.com. Right now, how about the Fujitsu Duckless Splits Energy Saving Ultra Low Temperature Models? They're also carrying now the J-Series VRF system. So if you're looking for the more efficiency option, the more flexibility for your home, that's the J-Series stopping up Johnstone Supply and asking about. Or maybe you're ready for the Westinghouse, made by Fujitsu as well. Basic, cost-efficient option for your home. They've got everything you need. Johnstone Supply. We have some great people too, always doing great things. Make sure to check them out on Facebook as well. If you're on Facebook, just search Johnstone Supply Troy and find out about the great events they have going on in Troy. Johnstone Supply in Troy. Make the upgrade to your home today by working with the great people over there. Now, 
Let's get into this week's episode of Guys on the Go. We got to lead off talking about the New York Yankees who have caught the Boston Red Sox who beat them 5-2 to two just a few minutes after we're taping this and the Oakland Athletics are in trouble. I think it's the great Michael Scott who said it best to describe the turnaround for the New York Yankees here in August. Well, well, well. How the turntables... Thank you, Michael. That's absolutely right. Here's what I love about this New York Yankee team. And, you know, I'll keep owning it. I'll keep eating the crow that I thought the Yankees were in trouble back in June and July. You wondered if these moves at the deadline were just too many bats and not enough pitching. Here's what happened that was really difficult to predict. These Yankee players... In similar fashion, we'll let John Boy Media take off as Aaron Boone talking about his players being savages in the box. These Yankees get pissed off when they get challenged, which you have to love if you're a fan of this Yankee team. When people start to doubt them, that's when they play the best. And some of the dramas playing out right now in the New York media involving Luke Voigt and Anthony Rizzo. So Luke Voigt goes to the New York media and says he deserves to be playing more. He doesn't care when Anthony Rizzo comes back in the lineup. He defends himself and says, I know I can play. I was a top 10 in the American League MVP voting last season. I know it was a shortened season, but I know I'm good enough to be on the field. He is not conceding his spot away to Anthony Rizzo just because they made a move at the deadline. And Aaron Boone goes to the media and says, it's a team. We're going to let this thing play out. And most of the time, Yankee fan could take the take of Luke Voigt's being selfish. He's being arrogant. He's got to get out of the way. Rizzo's the better player. And Rizzo goes out. And what's he do? Smacks it a two-run single to put the Yankees on top that proved to be a pivotal play in the game. You think Luke Voigt's looking saying, yeah, I'm cheering on my teammate, but I want to be back out there. I want to play. You saw Garrett Cole screaming at Aaron Boone earlier this summer because Boone tried taking him out of the game. Aaron Judge is coming off the COVID list. Aaron Judge is a guy who's been challenged in his career. People wondered whether or not his future was with the New York Yankees. There can still be questions about what Judge can be going forward with the contract and everything else. You want to go all the way through the list of guys like Gio Urshela and more? Urshela wasn't in the plans for the future. They had so many other talented guys that were supposed to be the guy for the New York Yankees. That's what I love about this Yankee team. Higashioka? Come on now. If you know it was supposed to be Gary Sanchez, and Gary Sanchez has had his moments too where people have always doubted Gary Sanchez. That's what I'm loving about this Yankee team is that all of a sudden when players need to start making plays, they step up. And it's going to be back and forth. Some nights you're going to be ready to strangle your favorite Yankee player. Some of these new guys, you're going to want them to earn their pinstripes, which I, I can't help you there, Yankee fan. I don't know why people still do that, but whatever. But you now have a balanced team. And players that are hungry, not just to get on the field and find playing time and advance their careers and get a new contract, but to win baseball games and rivalry games against the Red Sox in big-time field games. And I know they lost the game against the White Sox, but you saw the energy and the passion from the Yankee players on the bench and on the field. Something's getting turned up involving the team from the Bronx. They may not catch Tampa, but they may get Tampa in an ALDS series. Yankee fan, it feels like that Yankee team you've wanted to root for because these players play angry and mean, and they challenge each other every single day. 
every single game, whoever they're facing against them with a different uniform, they not only want to beat them, but individually they want to prove that they're the best player on that team in that spot. Now, if that's what Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman had figured out all the way through, clap it up for them because that's something I definitely did not predict going forward. As great as things are for the New York Yankees, not so good for the New York Mets. And the drama for the Mets involves their owner, Uncle Steve. Remember when Uncle Steve was the fun uncle coming in and buying you all the great gifts and he signs Francisco Lindor and they're going to be aggressive in the offseason and free agency and Mets fans are happy. They're sitting in first place. Everything looks great. And then all of a sudden they hit a five-game losing streak. And it gets snapped for their win over the Giants, a really good Giants team, by the way, with that game in extra innings. But before that, old Uncle Steve dropped this bomb on Twitter. Quote, it's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive. The best teams have a more disciplined approach. The slugging and OPS numbers don't lie. Ooh, Steve Cohen. Flat out blasting the team. My first instincts reading the Steve Cohen tweet was, could you imagine if George Steinbrenner had Twitter? (laughs) Could you imagine the boss? We've had owners the last 20 years have their opinions go across social media or videos of them, whether that be Mark Cuban, of course, or the Mavericks, Jim Ursay, the mad tweeter that Tony Kornheiser nicknamed him the owner of the Colts. So we see... Owners use social media for their benefit or connect with fans. But now Cohen just flat out going to his 220 close to followers on Twitter and blasting the team. You know that resonates when your boss goes to the public and calls out your colleagues that you're working with. Luis Rojas said this to the media after the game. I'm aware of the tweet from Steve. We're working really hard every day. We're trying to find our way to win some games as ESPN.com pointed out the Mets 450 runs were the third fewest in Major League Baseball only ahead of the Pirates and the Rangers so there you go yeah the team is struggling at the plate no doubt but Steve Cohen rattles the team tells him he's not messing around wants production So whether or not he feels like he's going to be the one who deserves credit for lighting the fire under the players and manager, the players and manager will likely take their credit for their own. There's always going to be a battle sometimes between your boss and the employee. But I wonder how Met fan feels about it. Does Met fan feel like Uncle Steve Cohen's no longer the fun uncle? Does he feel like he's being unprofessional, uncalled for, and not following the way in which an owner should act? Or does Met fan at this point in their long-suffering career as a fan of the franchise not care? And you think, I said the same thing Uncle Steve said. My owner feels the same way that I do. I might have tweeted the same thing. And now my owner's tweeting about it. And I got production out of my team who just beat the best team in baseball in the Giants. If you want Steve Cohen to calm down, okay. You probably fit the narrative of so many owners of professional sports teams in the past. But I like the drama. I like finding out that an owner cares about the team he actually owns and doesn't care about the bottom line. Of course he does. He's a billionaire. But seeing that connection to the fan base and calling out when a team's bad 
It puts pressure on the Mets, and sometimes pressure is not a bad thing. The race in the NL East between the Braves and the Phillies and the Mets is going to be the best. I've told you in previous podcasts, I want to see Bryce Harper in it. I want to see the Phillies continue. They're having their own offensive woes. But Steve Cohen, embrace this. I love it. Continue to be the mad tweeter. Send out your takes. Use 140 characters. Start tagging the players next, Cohen. Uncle Steve's making the race for the final spot. The only team that's going to represent the NL East. Very intriguing. It's great to have baseball and New York teams finally with compelling storylines in the season. Tim Tebow back in the conversation again this week, but this one's short, sweet, and simple. The Jacksonville Jaguars have decided to cut Tim Tebow because of his lack of blocking that was going viral. He gave it a shot. Tim Tebow tries to come back to the NFL. The legacy of Tim Tebow, he did not want to play a position other than quarterback. He didn't want to touch his legacy. He could have been the Taysom Hill for the last 10 years in the NFL, but he decided he didn't want to do that. Gets cut. Does the SEC stuff on television. And then he does the baseball thing, which we touched on last week in the podcast. He stuck at, came back, tried to play football at the end. He's well-liked. He handles the questions from the media well. He has a loyal and passionate fan base. I love my guy over at Purple Insider, Matthew Collar, who had the tweet of, there's never been an athlete that people treated weirder than Tim Tebow and the fascination of Tim Tebow. Because it's not so much about the obsession of a favorite athlete or following an athlete. That's sports, and that's okay. You can love your favorite team. Fan, of course, is short for fanatic. So that's what makes sports exciting. But when Matthew wrote, I don't think there's ever been an athlete in my lifetime that people acted weirder about than Tebow is so spot on. They were defending Tebow that he shouldn't have made the team. I like Joey Molinaro at Barstool Sports. He said the local bartender at your bar probably says Tebow does it the right way. And that's a good enough reason for him to be on the team. If Tim Tebow had been somebody who had gotten trouble with the law, or had more of a flashy personality or talked more trash, he could have been never been set up for these type of opportunities. But because he's likable, got the chances, got the breaks, didn't have to face the criticism. Seems like a nice guy. I'd want to hang out with him. I'd want to interview him. You'd want your daughter to marry him. But we're done with the Tebow thing from now on. One of the all-time great college football players of all time. The NFL stuff has finally ended. He does not get an opportunity like he did in the baseball world to sell tickets and put fans in seats and everything. So dumb. So that's over. But the NFL preseason quarterback talk is getting interesting, especially with these rookie quarterbacks. We're talking about Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. And now the irony starts to show up again. My pal Matthew Verderam over at Fansided, go back and listen to this interview if you get a chance before the season kicks off when we were evaluating these quarterbacks. I said to Matt Verderam, I said, Matt, walk me through this here. So Trevor Lawrence is a generational quarterback. We've known that. So he's going number one no matter who the team was. But guys below Lawrence, Trey Lance has played one football game the last two years. He came from the FCS level. Zach Wilson was constantly injured at BYU. But as an independent football team, torched teams, but in the teams and matchups that were the most difficult on his schedule, he had his worst games. 
Yet Justin Fields was the number one recruit coming out of high school, transferred to Ohio State, put himself in 2019 as one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and because he doesn't play football till November and doesn't look good against Northwestern, people think he's not a good quarterback anymore. But then all of a sudden when he's going against the second stringers, Against the Miami Dolphins. Oh, you know, Justin Fields, week one starter, rookie of the year, can't miss prospect, might be better than Lawrence. It was one game against backups. Where the hell was everybody in April? Are we going to look back and be like, well, you know, the Jets made a mistake. They should have taken Justin Fields. Well, why didn't you say that five months ago when you had everything in front of you to make that decision? We're going to look back at players like this, Justin Fields, and Lamar Jackson is the other one who jumps in my mind where they did all these things in college and it just got ignored. Like it never happened. And the way in which we view these athletes, and I almost feel bad for Zach Wilson, Michael Nania, who does a great job with the Jets coverage with his site, Michael Nania, give him a follow, Michael underscore Nania, a Jets X Factor, co-host of the CYJ pod. One quarterback, Trevor Lawrence in preseason game one, six of nine, nice, 71 yards, two sacks, a fumble, and zero points. His media, Pro Football Talk, says he shrugs it off and impresses. Zach Wilson, 6 of 9, 63 yards, zero sacks, three points. Zach Wilson, quiet in his debut. ESPN's first take. Offer the question. Matthew Berry, fantasy football guy himself, has Trevor Lawrence, 15, Justin Fields, 16, Trey Lance, 19, and there's questions if two of those guys might actually start. Zach Wilson's nowhere to be found. So I feel for these quarterbacks that already people are trying to make claims about their careers after one preseason game. Remember when Nathan Peterman was the greatest gift in August? He's still in the NFL, by the way. Remember when Teddy Bridgewater was going to be the savior of the Jets and he hasn't smelled a starting job since because he tore it up against third stringers? Ten years ago when Ryan Mallett was the future for the Patriots. If you want to start criticizing quarterbacks, let's wait till the games actually count. Or let's wait for a season. Because I still remember game one when people destroyed Jameis Winston because he played so bad against Marcus Mariota and they said the Bucs made a mistake. I remember when RG3 ran by Andrew Luck. I'm waiting for that to happen week one of this season. It's so predictable I'll put $1,000 on that's a talk of people who are already going to start calling the quarterback a bust after one start of the season. Let's relax in the preseason. I say that I know it's going to be put on deaf ears because people love football. But the unfair evaluations, the quick-to-turn evaluations are laughable at this point when it comes to the NFL quarterbacks. I mentioned the show First Take by accident. I meant Greeny's show Get Up, and someone's like, oh, God, it's messed up the show. No, I had that in my mind because of the news I want to cover here involving Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith. My guy, Michael McCarthy. Man, I've had a lot of shouts to people. Now I feel like I'm important this week. Michael McCarthy over at Front Office Sports reported that Max Kellerman is likely to leave First Take at some point soon, and that Stephen A. Smith is going to be by himself. Max Kellerman has been on that show for five years. Five years he's been on that show. And I think we have to understand the career of Max Kellerman because it is truly a remarkable career when you go through the opportunities he's had. Max Kellerman started as the host 
of Around the Horn in 2002, which is about, what, 19, 20 years ago now at this point, left ESPN because he couldn't figure out a contract, went and did opportunities with MSNBC and Fox Sports, and then got hired by ESPN Radio in New York City, which is already some people are going to get confused. Like, okay, so he left ESPN Television, went and worked for other networks, came back to work on just the radio sign on ESPN New York, then left that job, did more news cycle jobs, then got hired back a third time by ESPN. Three times Kellerman has had stints at ESPN while he still did stuff for HBO, while he still did other opportunities, both radio and television. You'd wonder, what was Max Kellerman's background? Was he from Fordham? Was he from Syracuse? Was he this can't-miss prospect coming out of a broadcasting school? No, Max Kellerman in the mid-90s was signed as a rapper. 1994, Columbia Records, Max Kellerman had a rap deal. Okay, cool. He was a young rap star, but he's still got to grow up and get a job and everything else. That's right. It's pretty obvious when you start sniffing around of how in the world Max Kellerman has continued to get these opportunities. And I'm not taking a shot at people in media who have this, but a word to learn from the guys on the go this week. If you keep wondering how certain people keep getting opportunities on a national stage, if you wonder how this person came out of the blue from nowhere so that you've never heard about them working their way up on a local level or having some type of big story break, why it happened, it's likely because they have an unbelievable agent. Max Kellerman has been friends with Nick Khan for 20 years, from the early 2000s. For those who don't know Nick Khan, Nick Khan, the former super agent over at CAA, and now runs the WWE. If we had to do like a chain of command, it's probably like Vince McMahon won. And now the rumors are out there that Nick Khan could be as high as two in the WWE. So Max Kellerman has been friends with Nick Khan for 20 years. Nick Khan represented Max Kellerman for 12 of those 20 years in his friendship. So now you're starting to piece the, okay, late 2000s, Khan is representing Kellerman. Kellerman gets back into ESPN Radio in the early 2010 decade. How does this all, you're starting to figure this thing out. That Max Kellerman's agents have always been incredibly powerful and that's how it's happened. That's not a disrespect to the talent that he has on the radio side or even the debate show with Stephen A., you have to have some type of ability to still speak into a microphone, be passionate, be polarized, and make people care about your take. So as much as there is a super agent involved with the career trajectory of Max Kellerman, you still have to be somewhat good at your job, and he's been able to do that. I'm cool with the move if he goes to the mornings. Because if I had to rank what Max Kellerman does best, his boxing knowledge has always been spot on. Never criticized his stuff. I feel like there's been a weird rivalry between Stephen A. and Max Kellerman, like good athletes, we mentioned the Yankees earlier in this podcast, it seems like the only reason Stephen A. wanted to do the fight sports stuff is he wanted to prove to people that he was just as good, if not better, than Max at it. I mean, he didn't have to. Everyone has their own ways to get out of bed in the morning and motivate themselves, but it seemed like that's what he wanted to do. And Kellerman's really good at the radio stuff. He backs up his opinions. He's got the New York style to him. So if he decides to go East Coast, West Coast, and they put Max Kellerman with Keyshawn Johnson in the mornings, they keep Allen Hahn in the middays, it's not a bad lineup. 
Alan Hahn might be a little pissed off that he's been filling in for Zubin Mahenti for like half a year and he's not going to get the morning gig. But that's a little bit different. Some people don't want the morning gig. Especially on the West Coast, if you're a national radio show, do you have that same type of following if your show's airing at 3 o'clock in the morning? Hans okay probably with just taking a shorter shift, still making a big chunk of money and being able to live a more normal life. Don't forget he still does this stuff for the Knicks too. Working morning drive with the Knicks may not be the best case scenario he wants to do. So Max Kellerman, Stephen A. Smith breaking up. I'm not a fan of first take, even though I'm somebody who gives opinions for a living and offers takes and follows sports. It's never been my thing. I feel like it's a watered-down version of sports talk radio or podcast with not enough interaction from people. Max Kellerman going to radio. I think ESPN Radio needs somebody different in the morning. So that move going forward, good for him. And boy, you study that 20-year career. There's nothing quite like what Max Kellerman has been able to pull off. Let's not be jealous. Let's strive to pull off something like that. If you are a young media member hoping to start your career, if you want to latch on with a powerful super agent and you get opportunities because of it and you're getting that 10% chopped out of your paycheck because of it, but it's cool with you, more power to you, man. I've covered this. For those who joined this for the first podcast, not a fan of Kevin Durant. Think he's a soft athlete. Think he's weak with some of his takes about being too sensitive. Draymond Green always feels like he wants to be the next Dennis Rodman. The bad boy gets thrown out of games, but offensively might be more skilled than Rodman. Wants to continue to consider himself one of the best players in the league. Fine. Draymond talks a lot. Sometimes his stuff's good. Sometimes it's not. Kevin Durant, not my cup of tea. Not a fan of Durant. However, do yourself a favor and check out the 30-plus minute interview of Draymond Green with Kevin Durant from Bleacher Report called Chips, where Draymond Green sits down with Kevin Durant and talks about everything. He talks about the breakup in Golden State, the ownership, and more. Believe me when I say this, I have listened to so many, so many press conferences where I can just sniff it out within five seconds of the cut of the interview, which I used to have to do. If a coach is lying, a player's lying, they don't want to talk. They don't want to give an answer. It's just you get nothing out of it. You can't use it for show content or anything else. I wanted to use cuts of the Durant and Draymond interview. It's too good. In a 30-minute podcast like this, don't finish my podcast first, but go and watch that after. Because it is not a cookie-cutter answer. It's not what it's supposed to be said. It's not one game at a time. We'll try our best next. This is about as raw and honest as it gets with these two. And what I loved, loved about it, is that athletes continue to have their own voice. We've touched on it so many times here on Constable Media about the future is going to be the athlete can control the narrative. The athlete can go out and name, like, and image and make money off whatever they do. And that's a great thing to happen in America. But when you see the reveal of what happened with the Warriors involving Kevin Durant comes from Kevin Durant's mouth, and it comes from Draymond Green's mouth, and they tell the story, I know old, crusty media member will say, well, that's not the whole story. That's the way they want to tell it. You go watch that on Bleacher Report. That got 1.4 million views in less than 12 hours. And you tell me if you think they're trying to make themselves look better or do it for themselves or anything. That's what I want to continue to see. 
The Players' Tribune with Derek Jeter, I've told you, it bombed because it was too much about the athlete. Too much. Well, you just do what you want to do. When you do what Draymond Green did, and you cut through, and you get Durant to tell you how he really feels, whether you like it or not, give me more athlete-on-athlete interviews. The shop LeBron James trying to do that, but even that seemed too edited down. Maybe that's the future. The old days of the anchor and the sports reporter and the radio host hoping they can get 10 minutes with an athlete, begging if they can get a full 14 to 15 and posting it. Those days may be gone forever. When you get content like that from Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, Good for both of them opening up to the audience. And for someone who's not a fan of either one of them, it's the best sports interview from an athlete I've heard this entire year. It's that good. Go find it and watch it today. Let's get a clock going here. How many times in the year 2021 have I claimed that it was the best two or three days consecutively in the wrestling calendar? Okay, one more time. Friday night, the first dance from the United Center. Will CM Punk come back after close to a decade away from pro wrestling? Will Daniel Bryan come back next month at Arthur Ashe Stadium? Okay, I won't jump ahead. Let's focus on this weekend. Potentially, CM Punk back this Friday at the AEW show in the United Center in his hometown of Chicago. Saturday, you've got SummerSlam in Las Vegas. Sunday, you've got NXT. Maybe the end of Adam Cole in NXT, who's been there forever in that battle against Kyle O'Reilly. Maybe it's an all-time great match between Roman Reigns and John Cena. Maybe somebody steals the show. I'm fired up. I get three days of wrestling. That's going to be one person trying to outdo the other. Man, this Yankee thing has become a theme of this podcast. Everybody being competitive. Let's continue to have this. Everybody battles each other, whatever you're doing. Sales, working out, media content creation, and more. If it becomes a more competitive environment and better product is coming out there, something you follow, great. Let's do it. That's what I'm hoping for SummerSlam and AEW this weekend. Continue to pump out some great content, great matches. I love the Jericho thing. If you follow me on Twitter, at Tom Gons, T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z. Chris Jericho came out with no theme song, no music. And the crowd was so into the match in Texas, they just sang his theme song. You don't see that. You don't want to see that happen in professional wrestling, but the AEW crowd, you just accept it as normal. That's how high the bar has been set by those guys. SummerSlam in Las Vegas, something big's got to happen, right? One of the big four in the WWE. Get ready for an amazing professional wrestling weekend. Try your best to catch one of those three shows. All right, there we go. Guys on the go. Everything you needed. 30 minutes. Look at that. Kept it under. Ah, I was going to say, kept it under 31 minutes. Just went over. All right, have a good weekend. Talk to you guys next week.